All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. I'm chuckling a little bit because Tim's just said he's going to be a passenger for this episode as opposed to every other episode where he just dominates it. Right, Tim? Well, you, you know, we hit the record button and you come up with like 15 new ideas because you're looking at the NHL.com homepage for the first time in a week. And no, 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 no. no. Cover today? Don't I'm lie like, to the listeners. You said you wanted to talk about fights. I asked you six hours ago if you wanted to talk about fights, and then you gave us a new idea, which I prepared for. And then after I have we this record, other idea, which I liked, but then I was like, well, should we just talk about some fights? Because there are some interesting ones that I wanted to touch on. I'm trying to make you happy because I know when you don't get what you want, you get a little moody, just like you are right now. I'm right? fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. But anyways, I would like to talk about some fights. This is a hockey fight show. It's called Dropping the Gloves. And that's what we're going to talk about. The first one I want to touch on, Nathan Beaulieu and Tom Wilson. This was over a week ago now. So the dust has settled. Not that there was much to much ado about this fight. The thing I wanted to talk about was, A, Nathan Beaulieu. The guy's an entertaining fighter. I don't care who he fights. He was in my top five most entertaining fighters, I believe, or maybe just on the outside looking in. Love the way this guy fights. Never backs down from anybody. Entertaining fighter. Just throws punches. He's obviously out of his weight class here with Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is a seasoned fighter. The guy fights all the time. Everybody knows who he's, you know, who he is. Nathan Beaulieu gladly accepts. He's giving up 20 pounds, four inches, and away they go. What I want to talk about here is not the outcome. Yes, Tom Wilson wins the fight, but it was a very entertaining fight. It's the pitcher post fight. Tom Wilson's giving an interview, and he it was almost a Will Ferrell. In Talladega Nights, where it's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. He brings his hand up and just leaves it there to show off the carnage that is his right hand. Is it intentional? I think it is, just to show how tough I am. It gets picked up. Everybody's talking about the hand. Look at how tough this guy is. He's a warrior. I want to have him on my team. He just plays through anything. I want to talk about the reason he has that injury in the first place. The visors. Can we please, please figure out a way to rip the visors off before a fight before someone really, really, really does have a career ending injury because of this, where they cut a tendon up his hand and then he's out for years because you, you just sever a tendon in your hand. I'm not a doctor, 
but I can look at all the veins in my hand and there's a lot of them. I have skinny hands and I can see them right there. Tim, you can see it. I covered up the microphone there. Not smart when you're doing a podcast. What can, can we invent something? Everybody instead of everybody panics that Evander Kane cut his wrist on a skate. Everybody panics. We got to have league wide wrist protection now for everybody. I remember when I was playing, there was a rash of people getting their calf cut by skates. And so everybody panicked. We got to wear cut proof socks, cut proof socks. Everybody went out and designed all these cut proof socks. I think NASA got in on it where they were just getting this carbon fiber socks and everybody wore them dumb it happens once every five years it is bad when it does happen but it's very rare whereas guys bust their hands up in fights daily every single game there's a fight every single game someone punches a visor every single time they do it either the guy with the visor gets hurt because it breaks and it stabs his eyeball or the guy punching the visor gets hurt because it just shih tzu knives it up Swiss. What what am I trying to say there? It cuts their hand all up. It's just dangerous. Why can't we figure something out here? Tim, you're, you're very innovative guy. What can we do to fix this problem? Well, why do the visors need to have sharp edges on them? How sharp is it? I mean, I haven't held an NHL visor, but like, couldn't you just have like a softer curved bottom to it? So it doesn't like scrape your fingers when you punch through it. Is there a reason they don't do that? It would probably be a harder process to make rather than just have a hard edge. Like just just cut it off on a flat edge. Yeah, you'd have to round it and bevel it and go back and really spend some time on that one edge and then do it a million times. Well, then the players wouldn't be able to afford it at that point because it would cost so much more, right? The players don't pay for their equipment. Even better. So I'm saying like, it. yeah, I, I don't know why that's not something that's looked at. But honestly, I don't really hear anyone but you talking about this. Like they point out the Tom Wilson thing when something like that happens and oh, cool, whatever. But I don't know. I don't hear anyone advocating for change in this except for on the show. I just think it's a dangerous thing. It's happened to me many times. And maybe I need to cause a stink about it. Maybe I'll call Gary Batman. And what's his face? His honcho there, his Igor to the, the Frankenstein. What's his name? John Daly or Bill Daly. Bill Daly, both those, Campbell. Yeah. Both of those clowns, all three of them. It's honestly just a mess. The higher ups in the NHL call Colin Campbell twerp. All right. Anyways, that's one fight I want to talk about. Another fight I want to talk about is possibly the most embarrassing performance I've ever seen by Justin Hall when he fought Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So Ryan Nugent Hopkins, six feet tops, 180 pounds tops. Total fights he's fought in his whole entire life, whole entire life. That was his fifth fight. Justin Hall is a big dude. He is a defenseman. He is not Mr. Fighter, but he's 6'3". 200 pounds and he's fought when he has fought he's fought some tough guys scott sabrin matthew kachuk max domi some pretty legit tough guys and he's done okay you know not great but okay he fights ryan nugent hopkins and i don't know if the nuge surprised him because he started throwing lefts or 
Hopkins Hall is just a bad fighter. But can we just unequivocally say this is the most embarrassing fight since Semen went Donkey Kong and started just double fist pumping, punching? Who did he do that to? Do you remember? It was another uh, Russian. No, I don't remember. This but is probably close, though. So incredibly embarrassing. How do you go back to your dressing room? How do you go back to your family and look them in the eye? Why is no one talking about this either? I sent out a very witty tweet saying we got a new sheriff in town in the West. Heads up, Milan Lucic. By the way, Luch loves it. He loves all our stuff, Milan Lucic. He sends me messages all the time saying, love it. My little breakdown of his fight versus McDermott sent me a message. Nailed it. 100%. All those haters out there saying, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I am an expert in this field. So anyways, that's another fight I want to touch on. What did you think of it? Did you think Ryan Nugent was too violent with them, Tim? You don't like violence. No, I don't. I can't stand it. So this is hard for me to watch. But I do I don't understand what happened for all the reasons you just said. And that Hall is bigger, taller, stronger. He just threw a massive hit. And you can see him kind of quickly scan the ice. He knows he might have to answer for it. He sees Nugent coming. It's not a surprise. He doesn't get jumped. And he sheds his mitts equally. No one throws a cheap shot or anything. But Nuge was just coming in quicker. I think he probably took Hall by surprise just by maybe being stronger and faster than he thought he was. But it's an embarrassing thing that, yeah, like you said, how do you, what are the, uh, let me ask you this. Is that something the boys would chirp him for in the room? Or is it so bad that you don't even say anything because it was that embarrassing? Here's the tricky thing with the Justin Hall where you know his confidence is already just so shaken. And you know, maybe that one little comment, like, keep your heads up, Nuge is on the ice. The guys, it would just crush him, potentially. I don't know, but I, I would be giving it to him because that's it's embarrassing. Like, it's, it's honestly, it's the equivalent of me getting beat up by Justin Johnson. I shouldn't have, it shouldn't have happened. He caught me with a good one, but I should have never let it happen. And the guys gave me a hard time about it. And, and rightfully you- so. Were you ever like sensitive about it though? Like, was, was it ever a time like that day? Or no, the following week I, 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 I got up, go watch the fight. I stand up and I'm smiling. I'm like, you right. got me. You know, I, I was too blase about it where I, I just didn't take him serious. I'm like, last game of the season, you're five, eight, whatever. Like, I, I'll walk through this fight. It'll be a draw. I'll get the win because people like voting for me on the hockeyfights.com. So it'll look like I won which has happened a couple times, but I, I I just didn't want to do it. And then he knocks me up. And I think this is what happened with Justin Hall. He's like, oh, it's a nuge, whatever. Hey, man, anybody can get punched any any day of the week and lose. It happened. All right, another fight I want to touch on. Two more. And then we'll move on to our show. What a, what a good first impression Tanner Janelle made with the Tampa Bay Lightning. A couple, a couple things. His most recent game versus Philadelphia, Tim, you shared a clip of him. Brandon Hagel goes and buries somebody, cross-checks him, maybe maybe slight hit to the head, all three of them. Kind of a dangerous play, dirty play, nothing was called. All the flyers converge on Brendan Hagel. All of a sudden, Tanner Janot steps in, and everybody just scatters. It, it was a pretty neat clip. I don't know who was on the ice for Philadelphia. I'm assuming it's not Nick Delorier, <laughs> but everybody just goes their way. And Tanner Janot looks like just a boss. He's like, beat it. That's my line mate. Kick rocks. And it, I know you, you saw it. How cool was that clip? 
it was really cool because you can see like they're all sort of go, all four of them, maybe five, like converging on him. Maybe six. It's all, it's all happened within a second. And then you see Jano turn and approach the the crowd and they just scatter. It's like when you like when dogs are starting to growl at each other and then someone just yells and they just go, they like tuck their head and they just turn around and go somewhere else. That's what it was like. And you've always said like the the biggest fights were the ones that didn't happen because you yeah. were there. Right. And that's exactly like when you talk about the role that toughness still has in today's NHL, that, that video clip is perfect for it. I've had had agents do that for me when negotiating with GMs. It's like they're, they're like, well, John doesn't get in any fights. And they're like, that's the reason why he's the toughest guy in the NHL. It's because he doesn't get into fights because he steps on the ice and no one wants to fight him. So there you go. Case in point, Tanner Journal. No one would touch him, and he didn't even do anything. He just looked at someone. Derek Bugard was a king at this. He would stare through someone's soul, and they would be so scared they would never drop the gloves. All right, staying on Tanner Journal. I believe it was his first game in Tampa Bay, maybe his second. They play in the Buffalo Sabres, and this was apt because Dylan Cousins said this guy was the toughest on his team, Riley Stillman. And Tanner Journal just puts him to sleep. Absolutely buckles him with an uppercut. It was inc- one of the best fights of the year, in my opinion. Not a lot of punches thrown. They were going back and forth a little bit, but Riley Stillman just gets out of position a little bit. And Tanner Janelle just bonk. It's a, I didn't. I knew Tanner Janelle was tough. It was a, pr- a heck of a punch. Last fight I want to talk about. Jared Tenorti, Brady Kachuk. Now, we talk about guys not wanting to fight. We talk about guys not using their size. I was traded for Jared Tenorti, so I have a special hatred for this guy. Never met him. Sure, he's a great guy. What are we doing if we're Jared Tenardi? Like, uh, honestly, Brady Kachuk takes a run at your goalie earlier in the game. Al Stalock, friend of the show. Later on that game, these two get tied up and they fight. Jared Tenardi, six foot six, 235 pounds, a mountain of a man. Brady Kachuk, 6'4, 210, probably shorter than that. He's given himself a couple inches, I think. It, may, is Brady Kachuk that tough? He's a friend of the show. He, he's is he really that legit tough that he just ragdolls a six foot seven inch, two hundred and thirty five pound man? Because it was an it was another embarrassing display of someone who should at least have the physical strength advantage and be able to throw someone around. It was not the case here. Brady Kachuk just dummies Jared Tenorti to the point where Al Stalock at the end of the game has said, I've had enough. I'm going after Brady Kachuk. I'm going to have some words with this guy. Kachuk loses marbles, gets kicked out. Al Stalock gets a shutout. Good for him. Not a good look for the Ottawa Senators who are pushing for a playoff spot to get shut out by the Connor Bedard sweepstakes hopeful Chicago Blackhawks. But that's another story. Yeah. Stuff like that just makes me icky where you're not even trying. You drop the gloves. And it didn't even look like he wanted to throw a punch. Like, what's the point? What are we doing here? That was a strange one, too. Because I think of Jared Tenorti, and you don't think he's not a skilled player, right? He's not that fast. He's, he's a borderline, you know, six seven defenseman in the NHL. But he's big. He's strong. He can play a simple game. He can be an effective, you know, six seven defenseman on a, on a decent team. Like, he, he's he's a professional guy. So you'd think he'd be able to do one thing, like like throw a little bit. And I get that Kachuk is is strong too, and he's got some size and, and skill and everything. But to not, you really didn't even get a punch in. He just wrestled with him while Kachuk throws until he gets one and he goes down. That's it. I don't think he did anything more than that, which is sort of strange. So maybe he was, I don't know, was he hurt? Was he not something not quite right? Because he did not look like he was trying at all. 
did not sit well with me. Anyways, let me know because I know he did get hurt earlier this year. Who knows? But he didn't seem interested. Brady Chuck with the clear win. And that's enough for the fights for the show. Tim gets a little squeezy when we talk about fights. You okay, on, Tim? Please. Please I think we on. should. Wait, We're going to move on. One what? more thing. Okay. Did, um, did the Bellew fight, did he, he, he came in at number five on your list. Did he drop it's, off at all? It's not Bellew, it's Bullew. Bullew. I apologize to our listeners. It's Nathan would, Bullew. Uh, would, would Janot leapfrog him at all? Yeah, in your eyes? No. Not yet? No. I still really like myself some Nathan Bullew. You go, you go find me a Nathan Bullew fight that isn't entertaining, and I'll be surprised. Every one of his fights is entertaining, especially if he loses his helmet. The guy's got an incredible head of hair. Love the way he fights. Like I said, he might be the most entertaining fighter in the NHL right now. Super fun to watch. A gamer. Anybody who asks him, he will say yes. There you go. Find me a video of him turning down a fight. By the way, the Lucic Ryan Reeves buildup, not two games, nothing. So disappointing, so incredibly disappointing. Weren't you a little let down, Tim? I was. It sort of seemed like it was in the air. The way the Lucic talked about it, the way that Sunday night went, you thought maybe Tuesday night, and then nothing happened. So I was, I was bummed. I thought it was going to happen. And then a zero-zero game. Both goalies get a shutout, and then it goes to a shootout. Interesting. Not a very exciting game. Speaking of which, our fantasy league, Tim, we played each other last week. How did it end up? You're in ninth place out of 10, correct? Now, talk about last week. Who won? <laughs> You're second to last in the league, right? I never check my team. Who won the matchup last week? You won the matchup last week. What was the score? Nine, eight to one. What was the one category you won? uh block shots wasn't it such a dumb category to have points for block shots yeah the only way to you get wanted, defensemen involved you won it by score. three three points because darnell nurse went off he went off that week and had like 20 blocks because he's always in his own zone never in the offensive zone all right let's transition we are going to talk about something that's near and dear to tim's heart it's very foreign to me it is the best first line in the NHL. Now, after the trade deadline, obviously, first lines are a little mixed up. Guys have been added. Guys have been subtracted. What I noticed in my research in this is there's not many first lines that have three really deadly threats. Teams these days have seemed to separate the top guys, spread out the talent a little bit, have a good first line, good second line, and then the third and the fourth are mostly for penalty kill energy lines. Gone are the days when you just load up your first line. Just boom, three superstars, good luck, try to stop those guys. When I played, it was all your good players are on the first line. And maybe that's a good thing if your first line guys are just overpowering. But I think coaches now are aware you can game plan, you can match, and those guys can get shut down sometimes. And then where you at? You're left with three lines that are just subpar. That's why when you look at teams like even the Boston Bruins, you got the Edmonton Oilers, you got teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they tend to balance their first two lines. We're not, we don't care about that. 
we're looking at the best first line in the NHL, right, Tim? Not the not the best potential of a first line on a team. We are looking at which team has the best first line in the NHL today. Not last week, not last year, not in the playoffs. Who has the best first line in the NHL? Would you like to go first, Tim? No, I'll go love. first. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. You go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I've got a few here, and this is not in any particular order. Don't ask me to rank the top three because I will just agonize over it. So I'm just going to give you my top three in no particular order, starting with a team from the Central, the Dallas Stars. I love this first line. Robertson, Pavelski, and Rupe Hintz. They have played 581. John's got that list, too. 581 minutes together as a line, which is second in the entire league, second only to Jordan Stahl's line, which is a third line. So first among the top-tier skilled lines. Second in expected goals for in the entire league. Their combined combined plus-minus is 84. They are so, so good. You've got the talent. You've got the balance of youth and, and experience. You've got the up-and-coming up and coming players with the veteran presence, the face-offs, the, front, the net front presence, the skill flying up to speed on the wing. Everything is just top notch with this line. They can they can make a very strong case for the best first line in the NHL. So that's where I would start as my as my first one. Yeah, that's a, that's an incredible pick. I I was honestly going to pick them. It's such a good line. And just the familiarity these those three have. They played together for a couple of years now. They're just very 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 strong. I'm going to go with the familiarity aspects as well. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Lightning's first line. Stamkos, Point, Kucherov. What else do you have to say? These guys are the top three point getters on their team. The only issue with them, they're all in the minus, which is very hard to believe when you have a guy in Nikita Kucherov who has 91 points, he's dash four. Braden Point has 74 points, and he's dash one. Steven Stamkos has 65 points, and he's dash three. When you look at their team, the Tampa Bay Lightning as a team, is plus 27 goal differential. So this is the only thing that I can see that is a slight on those three guys. They've been playing together for years. Everybody knows what they can do in the playoffs. Everybody knows what they can do overall. They have everything you want in the line. You've got Braden Point, who kind of does everything, a little bit of grit, gets in on the forecheck. Steven Stamkos is your trigger man. Nikita Kucherov can create offense all on his own. You can post him up in the zone where he can be the high guy threading passes across to point and Kucherov or point and Stamkos for the one timers. They involve the defense really, really well. They're a very, very good line. The only issue is they give up a lot. They really, really do cheat on the offensive end and they seem to correct it in the playoffs. I don't know if Cooper's matching them up versus the other team's top line a lot. I haven't watched a lot of the lightning games, but it's just strange to me when they're dash four, dash one, and dash three, and you look at everybody else on the team, and for the most part, everybody's in the positive. You know, Paul's plus 15. You got Killorn, who's plus 13. Hagel's plus 13. Everybody's in the plus, except for those guys. So it just makes me wonder a little bit. Are we cheating a little bit on the offensive end? Even if you are, I'm going to give it to them. It's a fantastic first line. When you, Like I said, when you look around the league, there's not a lot of first lines that have three legit 
stars. And I'll say it. Edmonton, I get it. You got McDavid, you got Dreinsidel, you got Nuge, you got Hyman. But then you're surrounding them with Yamamoto and McLeod. I can't, I can't have you on my list. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though McDavid is a superstar, you put him on any line, he's going to be outstanding. Now, if they would have kept Nuge with Hyman and McDavid like they had him at the beginning of the year, that could potentially be my first line. But they took Nuge off his line. He's with Dreinsidel. It doesn't. You also got Evander too from that team. There, he's not playing though. Right. Yeah. So my my number three. See, I ranked my number three is Tampa. Go ahead, Tim. Who who else? That was a good one. Yeah, they they were kind of near the top of my list. Like for all the reasons. Tim. Um, and I'm actually not picking Edmonton either for that same reason. Like if you if your only objective is to score goals, fine. If you want to win games, you're gonna have to go a little deeper than that. So my next pick here is from the Devils. The Jack Hughes line. And this is a really fun one, too. If you look at the advanced stats from year to date, the best expected goals uh, percentage in the league was Jack Hughes's line with Jesper Bratt and Eric Halla. And then you swap out Eric Halla for Timo Meyer, who is a legit scoring winger who brings something that that line desperately needed, which was size. Hughes is is under six feet. Jesper Bratt's like 5'10". They have probably 300 pounds combined. Eric Hall, I mean, uh, Timo Meyer is not huge, 6'1", but he's 220 pounds. He's a bigger boy, he's thicker. And so it's a major, major upgrade that that line desperately needs. So that one is going to be the one that gets him past the Rangers in the first round. I'm going to tease that out. And so that for me is... What a teaser. That for me is uh, a top three line in the league. It's it's a little bit of a question mark just because they haven't been together. So we'll see how it plays out. But if right now... Uh, dollars to donuts, as the saying goes. That's my that's my that's my pick. Do you feel like they lose a little bit of their cachet because they have to compete for minutes with Hirshire, Tatar, and Mercer? They're not the unequivocally first line on that team. No, if you look at the stat sheet, it's pretty clear who the first line is, and they might they might go with some some matchups here or there, but that's it's Jack Hughes' team, and it's it's his line. So now Nico said differently. Oh, you're that's right. He didn't tell you that. Actually, I'm trying to get Ryan Graves on the show for next week so we can ask him. No, he was very exciting the first time. He'll be great. Do you think um, your prediction at the beginning of the year, which was Jack Hughes will get over 100 points, will come to fruition? He has 76 right now. They have less than 20 games to go. I believe they have 19 games to go. Do you think he gets 24 points in 19 games? Yes. You do. Yep. Okay. Thanks for asking. I love the confidence. I don't think he does. And you know what's funny? The reason he won't get it is because he got hurt and he missed those four games. That's why. All right. I picked Tampa. You picked Dallas. You just took New Jersey. You know, I have a hard time with this because I went back and forth. I just said you need three superstars on your line, but this team is an exception. When you have two players that are just so incredibly good and are so well connected that you can just add somebody and they seamlessly fit in, even though you're taking off one of, if not the best players in the world off that line, it it says a lot about the two players that are left there. I'm talking about David Pasternak, Brad Marchant, and Jake DeBrusque. Now, everybody knew knew about the perfection line. That's not the line. Yeah, it is. Right. There's no center in that group, you just said. 
isn't the line. Oh, sorry, it's Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Okay, sorry, that's right. Not not Bergeron, not Marchand, and DeBrusque. Thank you. Yes. Okay. I'll oh my it. word. I, I I apologize for that. But it sorry, says everyone. a lot that that you can just remove Pasternak and insert Jake DeBrusque and just have you, no issues at all. There was no sign that this line was slowing down, and that's because Patrice Bergeron is arguably the best centerman in the game. Brad Marchand, arguably, is the best left winger in the game. And you take a guy in Jake DeBrusque, who was going to be traded. There was talks he was going to be put on waivers. They were trying to get rid of this guy. No one was taking him. They were going to give pennies on the dollar. You take him, you put him on your line. Jake DeBrusque is now a very key part on this team. He's a point-per-game winger. They have just turned him into a first-line winger. All because Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron are incredible. And I don't let him put up the big, big points like David Posternock gets. I get that. Posternock leading the team. He's got 84 points. But if I am looking at lines all around play, responsible defensively, check Patrice Bergeron, multi-time Selkie winner, hard to play against. Brad Marchand, check Jake DeBrusque when he wants to. Gets in on the four check. He's a big body throwing it around and can produce offensively. And this is the line I want. I think out of all the lines we talk about, we talked about Dallas, we talked about New Jersey, I talked about Tampa, we're talking about Boston. We've mentioned Edmonton, I've mentioned Toronto. This is the line that I'm starting with game one of the Stanley Cup finals. Out of all the lines, I'm taking this line just because of the two guys, not because of Jake DeBrusque. If you put pasta on this line, there's no other line in hockey that touches them. Not even close. There's no other team that can touch those three. No matter who you put together on each. I'm talking Edmonton as well. You put Kane, you put McDavid, you put Dreinsidel all in one line, the Nuge. If you put those three guys, you can't touch them. So you add DeBrusque, they're very dangerous. So that's that's my best line in hockey right now. That's who I'm starting, Tim. Game one of the Stanley Cup finals. Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque. They're the best line in hockey. You're not wrong, and it's very. It does my heart very well to uh, hear it, you talk about It pained me to say that. that. Way. Yeah, that was hard. Um, I'm proud of you for doing that. And so the the last one here, and this is I'm going to guess this might be the, the one you haven't said either, but I love this line. We talked about him all season long. It's the first line for the Buffalo Sabers with Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, and Alex Tuck. They played more than 500 minutes together this season. Tuck has missed the last couple of games, but which that's fourth in the league among all uh, line combinations. They're physical. They're big. They're strong. They can take over game. Tabe Thompson alone can take over game. But we talked about how underrated Skinner's been this season, especially considering how he's sort of floundered the last several years. Alex Tuck has fed into the system, immediately became a leader, immediately became a, a scoring threat. Um, in Buffalo. So this line just looks so, so good. They have over 200 combined points, which is more than any of the lines we've talked about so far. They're just unbelievable. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a little bit of, of, of favoritism here just because I, I, I like the Sabres. I like rooting for these particular players. But to me, they're they're definitely in the top three lines in the NHL. Yeah, that's a good line. All right, my last one, it's tricky. I, I want to say a line from the New York Rangers. I, I really, right. really do. I I don't like I don't like the Trochek Panarin Kane line that they put together. 
I, I really don't. I, I think Tarasenko would look better on that line. I think Panarin and Kane, I know they worked well in Chicago. I think they're very similar type players. You need to move Tarasenko to the Trocek Panera line and you put Kane with Zabinijad and Kreider. I think that balances that lineup out better. The Kreider Zabinijad Tarasenko line has done very well. So it's going to be hard to split those guys up. But that's that's what I would do. All that being said, the Carolina Hurricanes, friend of the show, Chef Seth Jarvis, Sebastian Ajo, and Fetchnikov. You have your sniper in Svechnikov, you have your playmaker in Ajo, and you have your speed, get in on the forecheck, do everything forward in Seth Jarvis. This was a tough one. They don't get many points, but they kind of do everything right. When I'm looking at the whole big picture thing, yes, it's sexy to get points. Yes, I know there's Matthew Marners and Kerfoot, and you got Tavares and O'Reilly and Nylander, and Toronto has a high-end talent. It's there. I want to complete 200, 300 foot line. I, I want, I want a line who's going to compete everywhere. Aho has been very well on faceoffs this year. Jarvis is coming around. He's obviously not producing like he did last year, but I trust him out there. And Svechnikov is just a mule. You saw what he can do in the playoffs last year. He, he is a lethal scorer when he gets put in that, in that position. So it, it, it was tough. I looked at Minnesota with Kaprizov and Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman. The knock on them is Ryan Hartman. I told Zooks right to his face. If you can find a 1A center to go to the Minnesota Wild, that is a top three line in the NHL. I can't say it with Ryan Hartman on the center there. So I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes. There's a lot of good lines out here. I think the teams have hurt their chances because they've split up a lot of the talent. That's why Carolina sneaks in there. These guys aren't the sexiest line. I don't think anybody on Carolina is really sexy. But they just do everything right. Sebastian Ajo, Jarvis, and Svechnikov. That's my third first line pick right there. What do you think, Tim? Did we do good? Did we did we leave anybody out? It's kind of weird well, not to include the top scores in the NHL I know. on this list, but I'm doing it. We're gonna get a little bit carved up for not picking the McDavid line simply for having McDavid, not to mention Dry and and throw Hyman or New or Evander Kane. Not having Patrick Kane and then that line, like you mentioned, is, is is it seems it feels a little weird. And then if if everyone was healthy, then Landis Gog, McKinnon, and uh, Rantanen is arguably the top line in the NHL too. So it feels funny talking about the best lines in the NHL and not mentioning those juggernauts. But when you look a little deeper and you dig into the data and and you try to get creative with it, these other lines you you could easily make the case they're just as good, if not better, than all those other ones we mentioned. Is a reason that we picked them. So I like the route that we went with it. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, listeners send us a tweet. I'll, I'll post something about it, but I'd love to hear what you guys think about, you know, your favorite line in the league. Yeah. Some other contenders. I really like the Ico line in Vegas with Marsh Stowe and Barbashev. I think that line works really, really well together. There's Shifley, Ehlers and Niederreiter. They're right up there, but it just, like I said, you need three guys all producing, doing the right thing all over the ice. I just like, I just like what those teams did. I, it pains me not to pick Toronto. It really does. I can't do it if Kerfoot's on your first line, left wing. I can't. I know right. Seth Jarvis is that guy with Carolina. I'm taking Seth Jarvis over a Kerfoot. Really am. I just think the offensive upside is better with Seth Jarvis. So what was, are you going to do? I was waiting for you to jump on Suzuki, Doc, and Caulfield. Uh, I thought that might come I, up I would have. Doc's out for the year. So it, if he is was he? there, then oh, maybe. Caulfield, you mean? Caulfield. 
Is that well, Doc is too. Is he? I, I have a little inside information, but I, I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe we'll edit that out. But um, yeah, I, I was. I get it. They're they're very good. They're. I was thinking the Ottawa with Stutzel, Giroux, and Kachuk. Every yeah. team has a good first line. Don't get me wrong. Everybody's got high end talent all over the place. But you know, you have to be picky. My number one is Boston. My number two is Dallas. I love that Rupe Hints line. I think that's incredible. That that's got to be my number two, and my number three is Tampa, just because been there, done that. And it's funny we didn't pick Colorado, the reigning cup champions, but they right. they're too injured. You know, Landeskog's been out. They've shuffled the lines. Nothing consistent there, but it's interesting. It's a different world, Tim. Yes, it is. <laughs> right. I like let's the, just yeah, do let's ahead. do a couple draft recap, and we'll get on our way. What's going on in the Connor Bedard? sweepstakes tim how's connor doing i i every so often i catch a highlight real goal what has he been up to these days well it's so good it's almost not even worth talking about anymore he's up okay well let's move on to the second overall pick or should you want to talk about him a little bit 123 points in 48 games played he's got more goals than he's got games like it's 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 insane what he's doing he's lapping the competition really the only comparison is a McDavid or a Crosby. Like what he's doing is just, just he can score at will. And I feel like he's got a better shot than those guys already too. Like usually it takes, cause shot usually comes with age when you get stronger where guys can be really speedy at 17, 18, but like the shot develops as they get bigger and stronger in the league. He's already got one of the best shots in the world as a teenager. So it's really special to see. It's deceptive too. I agree. Very deceptive. How's Fantilli doing? Number two overall pick. <laughs> It's almost like the Jack Eichel thing where like in most drafts, you go number one because he happens to be aged with a generational player. Um, he's a number two. And he wasn't that necessarily because that Mishkov kid from Russia was talked about as number two for a while. But Adam Fantilli leads the NCAA in points. He's second in goals, second in points per game. And he's the third youngest, third youngest in all of college hockey. Crazy. Which is just Silly. Yeah. And there's actually speaking of Michael, that's kind of the gold standard of, of NHL of a college hockey season, what he did his last year at BU. But Fantilli's on pace to to come up with that at, at least. And so he's sort of scoring at will as well. And he's still young still, too, which is crazy. Which brings us oh sorry, something you want to say there? No, I was gonna say who's your horse to get Bedard? Who do you think's gonna take it home? Is it Columbus, Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, the dumpster fire that's Arizona? Well, those are the five teams at the bottom of the of the league right now. And so statistically, it'll be Columbus if it ends. But these teams will all be so close down the stretch. I think, man, I I go back and forth on this because I like I was San Jose desperately needs a superstar. You know what I mean? Chicago, it's good for hockey when Chicago's got a superstar. They were able to, you know, rebuild. And I don't know. Do you think, but it, not a knock on Bedard, but do you think that, that uh, a single player could turn around a franchise the way that they could in the past, the way that Crosby, Ovechkin, no. McDavid. I really, well, I think we're being proven right by the no with Connor McDavid. McDavid is a generational talent. He could go down as the best player in hockey. He's done nothing so far. You need to have some talent around you to be successful. I, I liken it to my men's league where I am the best <laughs> player in my team. And we still lose because the other team just keys in on me. Uh, you need to have talent around the person to just give them some help, give them something to pass to. So I think when I look at this list, if I'm Connor Bedard, I would love to go to Columbus. They have some talent there. You got Lion A, you got Johnny Gaudreau. There would be some guys who he could work with. I don't want to go to Chicago. 
San Jose, I could see him. You got Hurdle, you got Couture, you got some good people to play with. If I really am, am taking a pick, I, I want to go to Anaheim. I think it'd be fun. There's some good young forwards there he can gel with. They have some draft capital. They can build with those guys. The guys in Columbus are a little bit older. The guys in San Jose are a little bit older. I think you find in Anaheim, maybe maybe there could be something there. But Gary Bettman won't let that happen. Well, plus, you know, imagine being that age in Southern California, just having the whole world at your fingertips. Like, I'm sure he, he wants to be rather be there than Columbus, which is a great city. I actually really like Columbus. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of appeal there if you're 18 years old. Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. What else are we talking about, Tim, before we get out of here? A couple quick kits. McDavid is up to 124 points in the year, which happens to be, and I love the math when it works out this way, exactly double. John, double check my math. Exactly double 62 which is how many points that Matthews has, which is just chef's kiss. I love that. Um, and this is more more of a salute to McDavid than than dumping on Matthews. I don't mean to do it, but I but I do like that because they get compared so often. Speaking of the Leafs, they do what? Well, I was going to say, what is going on with Austin Matthews this year? Yeah. And he, he does have 62 points, don't get me wrong, but it it just seems like he's off. He's only He doesn't even have 30 goals yet. You know, he was supposed this was supposed to be his year last year. He had the wrist injury and he still scored 60. People were just all excited about this year. And there's something going on. Do you think the noise about leaving Toronto, this and that is getting to him a little bit? No, no. I think he's a little bit mentally tougher than that. I think it probably has to do. I know you don't agree with that. I think I think he's trying to change his game similar to Stamkos, to worry less about scoring goals, worry more about being healthy for the playoffs and producing and playing a more complete game and winning hockey games as a team. And so if that's the case, because it happened that quickly for Stamkos, basically one year it just sort of decided to, and all of a sudden they started winning cups. And I'm hoping for Matthew's sake that that's what they're doing, as much as I like to dump on him. No, he still shoots the same amount. Mickey, he's still, I disagree. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Speaking of the Leafs, they're kind of cursed because Ryan O'Reilly, their newest, you know, shiny piece is hurt, broke his finger, is out for four weeks, which is just, I mean, it might not be a huge deal. He'll be back for the playoffs, but just a bummer um, for him. And then cool little stat here, the final thing. After their recent trade deadline acquisitions, the Pittsburgh Penguins are the oldest team in league history. The average age is just shy of 31. It's 30.95. This team was already old, but now it's historically old. Any any thoughts on that? I love it. <laughs> Can't put a price on experience. It's fantastic. I have one more quick thing. My alma mater going into the semifinals this week, Tim, against the, the hated Northern Michigan Wildcats. So check out this game. They're gonna they're gonna sweep the Wildcats. Then they're gonna have a rematch rematch of the last weekend of the year versus Minnesota State for the uh, CCHA finals with the potential birth. Well, not a potential, a berth on the line for the NCAA championship. So keep an eye on the Michigan Tech Huskies. They're currently ranked 10th, their highest ranking in a long time in all of the USA. So good for Michigan Tech. They're just setting records there. Their their goaltender, Blake Pietilis, set the school record for shutouts, for wins, for all kinds of stuff. They're playing fantastic hockey. So I will be watching. Puck drops at 6.07 on Saturday, 7 o'clock on Friday. It's going to be fantastic hockey, Tim. I'm very excited. So, yes, good luck, Michigan Tech. How's your alma mater doing? St. Anselm College. I have no idea. 
Yeah, I have no idea. My That's my good. ten year anniversary re- reunion is this year, though. Are you gonna go? Uh, it depends on where I'm living and what I'm doing. What are you? What are you? Where are you moving next? What do you think? You know What's what? Next I, for Tim? The word is spreading. I got a really nice text over the weekend, and I still had the number, but I haven't texted him since college. He te- my old friend Brian. He's like, "Hey, man, this is Brian from Saint A's. I just saw you on LinkedIn that you're doing the podcast with John Scott. You just published a book. Just wanted to say, like, congrats on all the success, is how we put it. Cool that you're doing cool things. It's like, yeah, that's kind of nice. Maybe I'll just walk on the campus and just wait for the followers to notice. You know? Have you gotten kind of any reviews from the the book yet? uh informally just people texting me i haven't it's not listed on amazon yet so there's no place to leave them but okay i have not read it yet i'll get to it timwurzberger.com there you go you, just, you owe me 500 for that ad all right uh, everybody yeah. go, go ahead. Had probably like 20 or 30 listeners order it's been great have you sold them all yet no i've sold about 260 out of my 500 that i bought in my apartment so a little more than half People are going to be getting some Christmas gifts. No, they'll be gone in a few months. Into no. the woods, right? No. What? What's it called? Oh, the it's called In Plain Sight. In Plain Sight. I, I didn't know what you were talking about. I, oh. I thought that's what the title of the book was, but I was wrong, as usual. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Let us know what your best first line is in hockey today I, i'm interested to to hear your your thoughts on this and maybe we can do one of all time that'd be, that'd be kind of fun that's an off-season show but all right everybody have a good wednesday we'll talk to you on friday cheers thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with john scott a member of the nation network of podcasts subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode 